You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are here in, right in the middle of summer movie season, and we are going to be talking all about Elton John. Not just Elton John the man, but now the movie Elton John. That's right. We are looking at Rocket Man, and it was magical in a lot of ways. It was a very big musical. Earworm City, folks. That's right. You can't get through this movie without humming a couple of Elton John songs over the next five, six days after. It's pretty cool. So Elton has always been one of my favorites, and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk all about it. But I couldn't do this without my co-host, my cohort, my Bernie. It's Mike Gordon. <laughs> Howdy. <laughs> it threw me off there. Yes, I'm, yes I'm, I'm your, I'll be your Bernie. Um, uh, and that, and not the not the dead guy we take around to the beach and everything. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, it's this podcasting at Bernie's. Um, uh, no, this is going to be very cool. Uh, it's the first time we've ever did a combination music spotlight and movie review. So, uh, but I think it's warranted here. Uh, last year when uh, we did a separate episode on Queen and then an episode on Bohemian Rhapsody, that was a lot of fun. But uh, it'll be even more fun, I think, to put them both together here. And we've got a lot of great people to talk all about it. We do, we do. But we definitely want to hear from you at home. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. Or you could always call us at 404-963-9057. Leave feedback. Let us know what you think about Elton John. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. So we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to cover. As we like to say, thank you to all our patrons. And, you know, you could become a patron of the ESO Network for as little as 25 cents a week. And we've got some great new levels up there. So please, please check it out. Real easy. Just go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. All right. Let's get started with this episode. Take it away, Mr. Mike. Well, before we get started talking about the movie and reviewing that, uh, and we've got our movie crew, our normal movie crew to do that a little bit later on in the show, we are going to talk all about the man, the musician, Reginald Dwight, uh, born in 1947. We are going to talk all about his career and his, uh, as much as we can about how much his, he's been an influence to ourselves as well as pop culture. We've got with us our musical, uh, our rock, iconic rock moment person here. <laughs> Uh, Michelle is here. Hello. Howdy. Uh, how you been? I'm good. And uh, yeah, you're going to be on the whole show, right? I know. I hope I, I got to pace myself. Hope I can. <laughs> Remember, it's a it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Not a sprint. Yeah. So don't get all worn out talking about the man because you got to talk about the movie a little bit later. Okay. And we've also got our music crew with us. We've got Ricky and Bambi joining us. Hello. Hello. Meow meow. Absolutely. How you guys been? We've been good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I like this show is packed, so we're going to get right to it. Talking about Elton John, and uh, I guess we'll just open it up like we usually do. Uh, the first time that you would ever are familiar with uh, Elton's music, uh, or you know, the man, um, uh, Michelle. Why don't you start? Where was your first? Uh, first, do you remember your first time hearing an Elton John song, or? Uh, not specifically, but, uh, I was pretty young and he was, uh, 
probably my first pop idol. Uh, he predates Queen for me. Okay. Um, so that was definitely, uh, I date myself, early 70s. Um, Elton John's uh, Greatest Hits Volume 1 is the first uh, record I ever bought with my own money. At, oh, wow. At the Duck Creek Plaza Target. Okay. In Bettendorf, Iowa. <laughs> Wait, now, was it was it an actual album record? Yes. Okay. You still have it? I still do. Yes. Nice. So, yeah, that's a big deal. So, your first album. Um, do, you, do you remember, did you hear a song on the radio? Did you? Um, what didn't we hear on the radio then? I mean, he had so many hits that he was just this constant presence. And... Um, he put out so many albums and so many singles that uh, you couldn't get away from him. No, it's true. Uh, he's just been a guy that's always been around, I think. Uh, uh, Bambi, what about you? What, uh, what's uh, your first uh, memory of Elton John? Well, my first memory of when I actually knew who Elton John was is kind of depressing. because <laughs> oh, I, I, I guess I've always, Elton John's one of those musicians where just he was always around. I can't remember a time when Elton John wasn't around, <laughs> like just his music was on the radio. But the first time I was actually aware of who Elton John was, was uh, a friend of mine's father was really in, into Elton John and he committed suicide. And his son was, again, a really good friend of mine and was learning to play music and apparently was trying to learn a bunch of Elton John songs and Tiny Dancer specifically. So I was aware that the song Tiny Dancer was by Elton John. And I, that was the first time I put a name to his voice. Depressing. I know, but there it is. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Bring it down. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Uh, I think, I think we'll find that though. Um, I mean, Elton John's music is, is, is that powerful, but music that kind of, that is suitable for like some of those occasions. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it I think a lot of people probably yeah. really a lot of I mean, how famous is it that, you know, he he's he rewrote Candle in the Wind and sang it at uh, Diana's funeral. Right. Yeah. Like that's mm -hmm. that's a big deal. And most people will probably remember that more than they will like almost anything else he's done. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't really like messed up weird for that apparently that's on the list of uh, best-selling physical singles of all time that's actually the number two it looks like yeah yeah uh ricky what, what ricky what about you well my i have a much older brother um whose wife was really into elton john so when i was young i remember being familiar with the name elton john because she would talk about him and i remember being familiar with many of his songs but uh what's kind of funny is i never really put the name elton john to a song until i'm still standing and uh the video for that song i think that was the first time i ever realized wait elton john's the guy who did all these songs so i'm still standing was the first time i really put it all together yeah wow um and it's a powerful video I think when most people think of Elton John videos, I think that's the one that probably comes to mind more than any of the others. Um, in fact, I'm trying, I'm kind of trying to think of some of the other videos he did and I'm blanking out on some of them, but I know he, you know, during the eighties, everybody was doing them. So. Oh yeah. Um, Mike, what about you? Well, for me, you know, probably I was like five or six 
when I first heard Elton John. So probably 73, 74. Uh, my parents used to do tons of road trips and we used to listen to Elton John all the time in the car. And the way I remember it most, because one of the first I ever heard from him was Crocodile Rock. And, you know, from there we heard Benny and the Jets and, you know, then just grew and grew and grew and Pinball Wizard and, you know, stuff like that and Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and Don't Go Breaking My Heart. You know, the list just kept on going as Elton kept on growing and he was always part of it because with us, we always had music playing. We always had people, you know, playing radio, playing records, playing tapes, and it just grew with that. And Elton was always a part of it. And it was just neat to see. And, you know, I actually started losing with Elton John when he's like the MTV era of Elton John. You know, I remember, you know, I'm still standing. I remember the video. And then I also remember, you know, that's why they call it the blues. But then he started becoming even more 80s pop type thing. And I probably stopped listening to him at that point. So, you know, but it was always Elton John was always there. You remember him from, you know, the Lion King and, you know, stuff like that with the movies and stuff. And I remember seeing him in South Park and the Simpsons. So he was still relevant. If that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, like uh, I think it's been said even by like that. I mean, it just seems like he's been around. I mean, for me, he literally has been around my entire life. Uh, I think his first album was uh, just around the time I was born. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, there's always been Elton John music as long as I've been around. Um, it's interesting for me to think that the first record company greatest hits collection of his was produced in 1974. Uh, like that's very, that's very early on. And to, to me, that's very early on in his career, but I mean, he had already like done like a huge amount of work and had a huge amount of hits by then. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, again, like I, like everybody, I, I think I probably was aware of a lot of his songs, but not really aware of him as the guy who did them. Uh, and the, what, um, and see that, that that's what I like about these, these, uh, episodes, Mike, uh, that, uh, uh, reminiscing like this really does date us. Uh, <laughs> oh, you have no idea. <laughs> oh, I have some idea because, oh. uh, but My, like watching stuff, you know, and thinking about, wait, I was this and I should be, I was this old. Oh my God. I am really an old fart. The first time that I can actually remember like thinking, Oh, Elton John. And I was playing a song over and over again was I had a eight track. Yes. Eight track uh, tape that I had gotten. It was a collection of songs that were, I can't remember what they was called, but it was like galactic hits or something. And it was all about like, uh, pop songs or rock songs that were, um, you know, about space or uh, that kind of thing. And I know it had Space Oddity on it. And I was aware of Space Oddity. I was aware of David Bowie. I was already a David Bowie fan. Um, but uh, it also had Rocket Man on it. And I remember listening to that over and over and over again, that that collection. And I really liked Rocket Man. As a matter of fact, I would put it as about as high, almost as high up as I would Space Oddity as a, as a really cool track. Uh, on the album they were the best two tracks on that album as a matter of fact i can't even remember what a lot of the other songs were but uh um so yeah rocket man it's interesting that they're making a movie or they made a movie and they called it rocket man because 
Like that's the song uh, more than any of the others that I, I associate with. So, and later on, I, 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 I've never bought a Elton John album. Uh, and it's not because I haven't liked his music. It's just because I never felt the need to, because his music was always around. Like, I didn't feel like the need to go out and buy something because if you just turn on the radio or the TV or a movie or whatever, there's an Elton John song. Um, and, uh, so, um, I do remember, you know, the days when I was, making tapes or whatever uh and recording stuff off the radio i do remember getting a couple tracks uh off the 80s stuff i liked uh i was a big fan of i'm still standing and uh um i think uh sad songs is that one yeah mm-hmm. yeah and yeah, which uh which they made to a wonderful commercial yes <laughs> <laughs> and uh i guess that's why they call it blues and yeah that yeah i guess yeah that's uh so those songs uh I, I liked a lot and um yeah I think I kind of might have dropped off I think he he kind of dropped off a little bit in the nineties or whatever uh and then he switched up to doing um I think in the nineties he's most famous for doing um, Lion King uh, which was an amazing feat in and of itself um but yeah I want to talk about the early music or or some of the hits or uh, did you guys get um, now like I said I didn't buy uh, any albums. Uh, Michelle, I know that, uh, you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you yes. have a particular one that was, was a, a favorite of yours? Yellow Brick Road. Yeah. Yep. Why, why that one? It's an absolute masterpiece. It's one of the best albums of the last century. I would say, uh, um, I remember being a kid and wanting it so bad and getting it for Christmas. Um, it had the hits. It had Benny and the Jets, which was very big at school. Um, so that's what I wanted it for as a kid. And then growing older, it was like, this is really just a brilliant piece of music that'll last for all time. Uh, Bambi, any any particular albums that uh, that you have or songs? Um, I I don't actually own any Elton John albums as a whole, sadly. But I often listen to Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me with mm. the song he did with George Michael, because I like George Michael so much. No, but, absolutely. Uh, uh, I, I have a, I guess, I like the song Rocket Man because I'm also a space fan. Yes, you are, yes. <laughs> I guess, um, a side note, uh, Elton John sticks out because of the song Crocodile Rock because I've been teaching kids how to play the intro (laughs) piano. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it's kind of a genius piano lick the way he wrote it. It's, it's actually a really good tool in teaching kids the beginning of how to play keyboards. And that's, and like, Oh, that was smart of him. I wonder if he was just messing around (laughs) practicing and came up with that. So anyway, I that song I will never forget. That song was uh, I do remember that song particularly from the Muppets. His appearance on the Muppets, they did mm-hmm. a, a version of Crocodile Rock, which has stuck with me. Oh yeah, when they were up in the uh, dressing room and then the Muppets were singing it, and it was like really bad. <laughs> and, and Elton was like, Elton was like, it is really bad, isn't it? Here, let me try this for a way of doing it. And then he started into Crocodile Rock. It was awesome. <laughs> Uh, Ricky, what about you? Well, there's so many of his songs that stand out for different reasons. Uh, it's hard to pick just one. 
But if I had to pick just one, I would say probably Sleeping With The Past, which was off of the album Sleeping With The Past in 89. Um, I think the more famous song off of that album was Club At The End Of The Street, if you remember that one. Okay. But uh, I must admit, you are totally getting my best friend because I'm like, I don't know that song at all. I don't think. Uh, yeah, well, heard it. Sleeping with the Past, I don't even know if it was a radio hit, but um, it was one that I used to listen to a lot. I, it just, it, it was one of those songs that, uh, you know, reminds you of a certain time in your life, that kind of thing. Sure, sure. But there's um, so many of his songs stand out for different reasons because he has been around for so long, you know, so many songs I was familiar with before I knew they were Elton John songs. And then once I started understanding who he was from that point on, each time I'd hear a new song and know that it was Elton John, it would kind of stick for that time in my life. So, and, and you know, he just keeps putting out music. He's, one of those rare artists who's had legitimately good songs over numerous decades. So many people, I feel like they keep having hits, but only because of who they are. But Elton John keeps having hits because the songs are good. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot, I mean, we, you know, this is a good time as any to bring Bernie Toppin into it because, you know, um, as good as Elton is, I don't know where he would be if it wasn't for bernie toppin who has agreed definitely his writing partner providing the lyrics like since the beginning right no very yeah. much so yeah i think and, and up till now like they still are writing songs together mm-hmm. uh and that's that's pretty amazing i mean i mean i know there's been points where they've been apart but the fact that uh you know two guys have been uh creative involved for that long and produce so much amazing material i think is unparalleled well it's kind of interesting too because if you put it this way you know they took over where lennon and mccartney left off they were the next great song duo and they you know lennon mccarthy only did what 10 years yeah and bernie and elton they're going almost on 50 (laughs) right (laughs) And I mean, what a uh, an interesting couple of uh, songwriters they are when one of them gets uh, 9% of the fame, <laughs> you know, maybe more, maybe 99% of the fame. But Bernie um, didn't want to be in front. He, he threw out <laughs> in front. Yeah, if Bernie would just wear more outrageous costumes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what I'm just saying with most songwriting duos they're both pretty close to equally famous but uh with with those two regardless of what bernie wanted uh it's just interesting to me that elton john was definitely the face even though both of them contributed so much to the songwriting yeah well i don't know i mean did Bernie actually ever appear? Like, did he play? Did he did he appear on stage, or was he just mainly a guy? He who... has at least one solo album. Really? Yes. That he he sings and performs himself. Mm-hmm. Wow, I had no idea. Well, I, I didn't know that. 
<laughs> that's how obscure he is. Yeah. <laughs> that just proves your point, Ricky. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait. <laughs> uh mike what about you any particular albums that uh that stand out for you oh wow goodbye yellow brick road captain fantastic mad men across the water uh honky chateau you know a lot of his earlier stuff uh you know looking even to caribou you know it's just it's interesting when you look at his work and just you know most of the songs on those albums are hits and it might not be like stuff that gets played on the radio all the time but like his first few albums you know probably every song on them or you've heard them at one point or another which is pretty awesome and you know elton you know like i said elton's always been around for me and he he is you know like was always a mainstay and you know he was always fun. He was always uplifting, even his more serious stuff, you know, and it's just like funeral for a friend or something. It was just awesome. And candle in the wind and, you know, his more you know serious stuff. It's just, it is awesome. And, you know, you know, I remember many nights seeing, you know, being drunk and seeing Daniel, my brother, you know, stuff like that, you know, and just, a lot of people in bars just you know singing Elton John songs and we were straight it was pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> um uh Ricky Bambi I, I need to ask you uh bring in your uh musicianship here your musical knowledge um mm-hmm. are there particular songs that uh you either have included or played uh written or performed uh, at one point by Elton John that uh stand out for you as being either challenging or fun or well the main one and and Bambi just mentioned this uh earlier the main one's Crocodile Rock and it's one that we taught one of the groups of kids uh to perform at at the school where we teach because it's it's simple enough musically that we could simplify it for these kids who are 12 and under to play. And um, it's got a, a classic 1950s, 1960s rock feel that uh, just, it makes it sound timeless. Debbie, would you like to add anything to that? (laughs) Yeah, I guess I actually, in addition to that, I had, I had somebody ask me, uh, to pick something off of Yellow Brick Road to ch- teach them to play on guitar. And they had just learned how to play guitar that month and wanted to learn a song to play for their grandmother's birthday. And I <laughs> had a little hard, I had a little trouble with it, but I did simplify Candle in the Wind down to where, where she was able to play it. And I thought that was, that was neat. That was actually a fun little thing to do. It's an interesting question uh, or an interesting point, really, that uh, so Elton's pretty much known as being a pianist. Right. And then most Mm -hmm. of his songs are, you know, that's the highlight. You don't think of too many of his songs being like a rockin' guitar heavy uh, tune. Um, So when you guys uh, are playing them, um, I would imagine that most of the time you are having to uh, rearrange them in a way. Yes. Yeah. 
That's not always the case. When we were teaching Crocodile Rock to the kids, we had two keyboardists. Yeah. So okay. they, we actually had one student play the one organ part. part yeah. yeah. And then another student play the other part. So it it was a complicated enough part that we gave his single part to two students. <laughs> do you, uh, do you find, do you find a lot of like his music is, is overly, or is it one of those cases where it's, uh, it, it seems simple, but it's actually uh, complex? No, I, I would say, um, I don't want to say it's the opposite where it sounds more complicated than it is, but there are a lot of really great songs that can be simplified down to something um, that's easier to play and still sounds so much like the original song that everybody recognizes it right away. So even though Elton John is a great piano player and it may not be easy to teach someone how to play the song the way he plays it, many of his songs can be simplified so that even somebody who's, who hasn't been playing very long can still play a version of his song that sounds kind of like his song, just sort of a um, simplified, simplified version. version. You can still teach them a part where people will recognize what they're trying to play and it still, it still works. You don't have to play it just like he does for it to be recognizable. Right. And that's, that's actually really, that's good song songwriting. If you can simplify a part uh, and somebody can still recognize it, that's a really strong, st- strong song. Actually, I, I had somebody tell me many, many years ago when I was um, pretty early on in music that, uh, and I think they were telling me because I was writing songs that were too complicated, but they said any great song can be broken down to just a guitar and a vocalist singing it. If you're talking about uh, pop music, if you're talking about pop and rock and, and things like that, if if you're writing an orchestra piece, it's it's a different set of rules. But if you're writing a song to get played on the radio so people will sing along with it, their point was, it should be able to be simplified enough so that an acoustic guitar player can can play and sing it and everybody would still enjoy the song. So Elton John has managed to write song after song after song that can be simplified down to an acoustic guitar and vocals and still be a great song. Yeah, people will still know what you're doing. One of the things that I just recently learned um, was that uh, even from a very, I knew he was a great musician, but I did not know that uh, even from an early age, he was a child prodigy. Uh, he could basically hear a tune and play it instantly. Like just, he just had that, that knack. Um, have you guys ever encountered anybody with that kind of skill? Um, to varying degrees, definitely. Uh, I mean, it, at a young age, it's much, much more impressive. The longer that you play, obviously, the better you get at doing things like that. And so people we know who have been playing longer are a lot better at that. Um, I mean, Bambi and I have been playing long enough that that we can do that to some extent and on a regular basis do it live in front of an audience. <laughs> Which is <isn't> always <laughs> the best idea, but... <laughs> yeah, it's... 
it's often a bad idea, but it could be a lot of fun when we completely destroy your favorite song on stage. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, but I yeah, have it, seen I have seen it when you've asked for requests and somebody comes up with something that you're not familiar with yet you you muscle through. <laughs> yes, yes. And when I'm not familiar with it at all, I pretty much just write a song on the spot that uses <laughs> whatever the title of their song is somewhere in the lyrics. In fact, it's even more entertaining. <laughs> but uh, And we've done that a lot. Uh, but but yes, it's, it's very impressive that uh, somebody who's young and untrained can hear a song and pick it out and and play it by ear right away and the more accurately that somebody can play a song uh also the more impressive we've played with several guitar players who through a combination of experience and just natural talent have been able to pretty much play any song that they've heard even if they haven't heard it recently uh any song they're familiar with without much advance notice and um as we just mentioned, it's something that we do a lot on stage. So having a guy like that on stage with you is a huge asset when you constantly throw songs at them. I, I'm kind of famous in in our band with our various guitar players for saying, hey, uh, can you play such and such a song? And they'll say, mm, I can probably fake my way through it. And my response is, good, I'll follow you. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh... And I think it's also, you know, not only could he hear something and then play it pretty, uh, pretty accurately, but then for him to just take, be able to take lyrics, like a poem that, uh, you know, certainly in the early days that uh, Bernie would write and just come up with uh, musical arrangements for it uh, that are so, you know, uh, successful uh, is a difference. I mean, that's one thing to be able to ape something that you hear, but a totally other a different skill set to be able to take something and just imagine it in your head and then kind of like hear it while you're reading something. And then, because uh, Michelle, you have a story about where he appeared and he was able to like just write a song like right on, on air, right? Yeah, I can't remember if it was the Graham Norton show. And this may be on YouTube. Um guy in the audience said can you write a song uh based on the uh instruction manual for my it was like a charcoal grill or a food processor <laughs> something something you cook with and um they gave it to elton and he sat down at the piano and looked at it and wrote a song about from the, using the manual as the lyrics wrote a song <laughs> wow and it, and it instantly went to number one right <laughs> of course it did of course especially in the, the uk song, the grill yeah. the grill went to number yeah, one. only in the uk <laughs> haven't you heard of the george foreman girl no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so let's talk about uh, since we're talking about the man performing let's talk about seeing him live i've never had the honor of uh seeing him in person uh but i know you have michelle uh tell us what that was like when did you see him i saw him Oh my goodness. Um, I think it was, I want to say 1990. I had wanted to see him for so many years. And I think, I can't remember a whole lot about it. I remember being just amazed. I remember it raining. It was um, outside? It was Lakewood. Yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, 
Yeah, but it, it's been so many years that I can't remember specifically. Do you remember what he was wearing? I, honestly, I don't, which is just weird. <laughs> Did, now, is he, guy, he's, is he a guy, do you, maybe you don't know this, but is, is he a guy that changes outfits throughout the perform, like the night? Or does he just come out with I one thing he, and pretty much sticks I with it? I think he does. He changes. He's like Cher. He's like, like Cher, right? Yeah. Like, um, and... And, you know, because you would think stage presence wise, I mean, obviously the the outfits help, but if it's just a guy behind a piano, it can be kind of not as exciting stage wise, right? No, oh, Elton, yeah. Elton, Elton has tons of energy and Elton can communicate with the crowd. I mean, even if he didn't have the the costumes. Well, I remember there was a period after his heart attack that he actually toned it down and yeah. he started just coming wearing a top hat and you know and you know like almost like normal clothes for elton john you know type <laughs> which thing. is weird because it's like why would that but i guess he didn't want to look in the mirror and give himself another heart attack no and so but yeah they, they <laughs> called it they called it the reinvented uh elton john that's why like when the video for i'm still standing he was more muted his costumes and stuff his clothes right and he was going yeah. through that era now, Mike, have you ever seen him play? Twice. Okay. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, well, I saw him first, like, on concert, like, on HBO. He was doing one from Philadelphia. But I saw him once at the Capitol Center in Washington, D.C., and it was awesome. He just, he literally played for almost, like, two and a half to three hours and blew the house down. He didn't take any breaks. He just went from song to song to song. Now, when was this? This had to be 1985, 86. Okay, so he was high on coke. So oh, of course he was. <laughs> he, he was. He was high on coke until the early 90s, dude. But so yeah. That's, that's how he could play for four hours straight. Mm-hmm. And the then real I saw reason him. that he did all those costume changes. <laughs> and then we, I saw him probably in Seattle. Um, I saw him at key arena and with the x monster and he basically was pretty much you know just as good but it wasn't as high energy as it was the first one because you know it was almost 20 years difference so but it was it was pretty awesome well, i know that now he's and ricky and baby have you seen him at all no i, I wish not. i wish i had yeah, he's because uh, my understanding is he's now on his retirement tour. Yeah, uh, I think he's finishing that up. I think he's still scheduled to play a couple more dates in Atlanta. It's like the end of the Yellow Brook Road or tour or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And but it's like his vocal range is shot. His yeah. voice, you know, he can't hit the notes and everything. Like you've been, they've you could look it on YouTube. He's been playing um, and singing with the kid who's playing Elton John in the movie, and he. You know, he doesn't have anywhere the vocal range that he used to have. But he's well, a, he is he's, seventy-two. Yeah, it was. That's what I was about to say. He is seventy-two years old, but he could still belt a tune. Sure, sure. And uh, well, I mean, and he is retiring, so this is it. I mean, this mm-hmm. is you know, I mean, I mean, he, he might pop up and occasionally for appearances here and there, but uh, uh, I mean, this is pretty much uh, you know it for a, a tour. Um, yeah, I would. Yeah. Unfortunately, now, if you want to see him, you'd have to, you know, put a second mortgage on the house. Yeah. Oh, uh, God, yes. Because yeah. those tickets are not cheap. They were starting at 275 bucks. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Thank you, the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that's whose fault it is. Well, you know, Elton John owes his life to a 14 year old kid. You know about that, right? I don't. About Ryan White. Oh, Ryan White. I do remember that. I do remember something about that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Ryan White was a 14 year old kid in Indiana. He contracted AIDS uh, following a blood transfusion. And Elton took a very big interest in that and seeing how much full of life this kid who had pretty much at the time had a death sentence, you know, cause there, and there wasn't the, you know, medications and stuff like there is today to help fight it and how brave he was. That's what caused Elton to go sober. Wow. Oh, wow. And that's why, you know, you know, spoiler from the movie, they say at the end of it, he's been sober for 28 years. That's what caused Elton to go sober and everything. Mm. And he, and to this day, Elton John is one of the largest donators to the HIV AIDS research fund. And it's pretty darn amazing what all the charities he gives to. Wow. Yes. Yeah, he's a, you know, I mean, I, look, I'm not a big fan of that. That's what Friends Are For song, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't, not <laughs> and, and especially around that time, that was, uh, for him to be in, so involved with that and be a front man for that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, was, was a pretty, pretty massive undertaking for him. And, uh, yeah, something that he'll definitely be remembered for as much of, if not, yeah, as much of his music, really. Well, cool. Well, we're going to have to wind down uh, our talk about Elton John. So uh, we will end with uh, a recommendation from each one of us on something that you should listen to, see, watch, whatever, uh, that in regards to our uh, spotlighted performer, uh, Sir Elton John. See, I've been not using his moniker so now like what is that the, <laughs> are the royal police going to come and arrest me because I haven't been calling him Sir Elton John uh, this entire time. Um, but uh uh sir elton hercules john is, 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 is his did he actually change his name to that, is that yeah. mm-hmm. i love that i love that uh so michelle what's one thing that you uh would suggest that people check out from elton john uh, sir elton john sir elton john um oh goodness so much good stuff um if if to you elton john is um the lion king and the 90s and later i would go back i would go back to um tumbleweed connection um which is from bernie's uh wild west period um come down in time country comfort which is later covered by rod stewart um and mid 70s i would uh check out captain fantastic um, which was great CD, great CD, was absolutely brilliant. It was his and Bernie's first um, foray into their biography, presenting their their story to the world in in song form. And of sorry, I'm doing three. Um, and of course, ah! Yellow Brick Road. Oh, of course, Yellow Brick Road. Okay, all right, uh, Bambi. <laughs> Well, considering I really only know the hits, I don't own any of the albums I feel bad. So I'm going to just point out, uh, don't let the sun go down on me with George Michael, just because I think their voices are absolutely amazing together. I know that Elton John released it, you know, earlier, but 
I, I like the version with, with George Michael, just wow. Yeah. The live version too. It's the live version yeah. that I like so much. That, that is such a great song for, for George's voice. It really was. Yeah. Now was that, was that played at Freddie's Memorial or is that something different? Um, that was something different. George okay. Michael did, um, he did some, somebody loved some, that's right. He oh, did yeah. Which was also a great song. <laughs> George Ooh. Michael was brilliant. Like yes, he was. Yes. One of the most underrated vocalists of all well, time. When his, when his biopic comes out, we will spotlight him. <laughs> yes, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Ricky, what about you? Uh, I guess I'm going to go with Sleeping With The Past just because it's an album that I never hear anybody mention, even though it had a couple of hits on there and several really solid songs that I don't think ever got radio play. So sleeping with the past. Well, I'm very curious about that one too. Now that you mention it, because I'm like I, I'm not aware of that at all. And maybe well, it's something that I'll hear and I'll be like, oh, it that had one. It had okay. healing hands and it had club at the end of the street, and those are probably the two you'd know. I do remember the club at the end of the street. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't. I did forget about it until you just mentioned it. Now it'll probably be in my head for a week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, what about you? I'm going to have to pretty much echo what Michelle had said. She has good taste. What can you say? Uh, good, but Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Captain Fantastic, Mad Men Across the Water. Uh, you know, anything, I would always recommend anything from his 70s era. That's my favorite era of Elton John. And after that, I thought he got too popcorny and, you know, bubblegummy. So I didn't really listen to many of the albums themselves after that point, but you know, it's always entertaining. Um, anytime you can get the chance to see a video of his live concerts, but you know, if you really want to have fun with Elton John, see him on the Muppet show. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And by the way, it was Benny and the jets. They were singing up in the uh, dressing room. Yeah, because I kind of remember Crocodile Rock was on the stage and it actually had Muppet Crocodiles. So, exactly, and Kermit is, you know, told... How would you not, not do, that do that one? That. Right, exactly. Exactly, and they also did Goodbye Yellow Brick Road on that episode, too. Ah, oh, man, I'd forgotten about that. I have to dig that one out. I think I have the Muppets... Uh, I think I have that one on disc, so... Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, not a lot left for me to push, except for I'm going to go in slightly different uh, direction um, and actually um, uh, mention a cover that he did. He didn't do a lot of covers, but man, when he did, um, and this is a song that was iconic for a particular band, but he appears in the movie, Tommy, and he does a version of pinball wizard, which is just phenomenal and actually became a huge hit. I think it might've even been bigger than the who's hit. It was. So, um, and you don't get that very often. I think the only other time I can think about something like that happening was, uh, you know, uh, we mentioned uh, Aerosmith uh, earlier this year, uh, but with their um, cover of Come Together off the Sgt. Pepper's album. Um, so uh, Elton John's doing um, a, a, a kick-ass version. Uh, it might be, to me, the most rocking song. Like, that's as rock as he gets, like, as, as like hard rock as he gets. Mm-hmm. Which and means it, that, you know. It was awesome, though, because if you get a chance to see his character in the movie. To me, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's so great. He's a highlight. That movie is weird, and and I it it just uh, yeah. We could talk about that movie some other time, but it's a very strange movie. But his his appearance in it is worth checking out. 
somebody on the Dragon Con Facebook page actually put a picture of Elton in that costume and says, this is what I want to go as to Dragon Con. Help me do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, very cool. Uh, well, speaking of Elton and movies, uh, we are getting ready to do a full review of the new movie, Rocket Man, which features uh, the life of Sir Elton Hercules John. So, uh, but before we do that, uh, Ricky and Bambi, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank, thank you for having us. Yeah. Anything you want to shout out real quick before we uh, let you guys go? Yeah. <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> well, very cool. We will look forward to checking you guys out, uh, having you join us again uh, for our next musical spotlight, which I believe is in a couple months. And we will be uh, talking about the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. Woohoo! Was, was Elton John at Woodstock? No, Elton John was not at Woodstock. <laughs> Well, you know, it seemed like everybody was there, so it, forgive me. So. I wasn't. Mike was. I was. Well, there was one person here who was, so uh, that's going to be fun to talk about. So thank you guys so much. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. So we're breaking into this little segment here and we have Bobby Nash. We have some very exciting news. Bobby, you announced a contest last week. If I remember correctly. Yes. Yes. Uh, we're giving, we were giving away a snow prize pack, um, an ebook version of snow falls and the audio version of snow series one, volume one, uh, read by Stuart Goffey, who's been on the show with us here uh, before, and uh, which ho- has the first three uh, novels as audiobooks. And so we ran the contest in last week's episode, and we're here tonight uh, thrilled to announce the winner. So the big news is, after the millions of people who listen to ESO have entered. Yes, yes. Uh Congratulations to friend of the station, Mike Seals, uh, who was our big winner of the Snow Prize Pack. Uh, so, Mike, uh, you know, well, actually, by the time this airs, Mike will already have them. But uh, congratulations. Thank you so much for uh, participating. And thanks to everyone who participated. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy, uh, hope Mike enjoys the, the snow books. It's only appropriate that somebody named Mike wins it, you know. I know, right? It's, it's, it's like it's like you have to be named Mike to be on the show, or to like the show, or to win on the show, or it's 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 really cool. Well, we just changed the name to Mike Station One or something like that, <laughs> or Station Mike. Oh, God, my ego's big already. Do we really need? <laughs> Wow. Well, Bobby, yeah. thank you so, so much for including us in this contest. And My you know, pleasure, guys. Well, you know, you know, any excuse to come to the station and hang out is 
is is cool. I you know, and I wanted to give something back and. Uh, you know, I, some of my fondest memories happened here on the station. So I'm, you know, always thrilled to come back and hang out for a bit. Oh, dude, you're always welcome on the station. You know that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's your home now away get from home. Get back in the airlock. Yeah, get back in the airlock. Yes. It's JD was just <laughs> signaling me. He was like, where's Bobby? <laughs> it's like, well, you are talking about a musical. So I've got to go somewhere where I can hide. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Remember, just put the headphones on. You could ignore it. Uh, exactly but yes but once again thanks uh thanks again to everyone who participated and congratulations to mike uh i do want to say real quick that if anyone's uh if you didn't win or if you want to learn more about these books uh www.ben-books.com there's a whole page devoted to the snow books excellent we'll have a link to it up on our show notes on top of it thank you sir thank you Feeling into I could hear the whole tune in my head. It was all there, I could see all the notes, and I just had to get it out. It's a little bit funny. This feeling inside. What did you say your name was again? My name is Reggie! Reginald Dwight. Reginald? That's my granddad's name. So that is a fat boy from nowhere. Get to be a soul man. You gotta kill the person you were born to be in order to become the person you want to be. I'm thinking of changing my name to Elton. But that's my name. Yeah, I know. You could be the best-selling artist in America if you desire. I was trying to do something bold. Why are you still something flashy? Can you even play the piano in those? Let him know who you are. And just don't kill yourself with drugs. So how does it feel to be a star? It's never going to last. Let's just enjoy it while we can. First sleeping arrangements, kiddo. All of this is gone. I just hope you realise you're choosing a life of being alone forever. Don't you want to just sing without this ridiculous paraphernalia? People don't pay to see Reg Dwight. They pay to see Elton John. Sorry. I know. How much pressure I'm under? Not really. I'll still be collecting my 20% long after you've killed yourself. Maybe I should have tried to be more ordinary. You were never ordinary. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time for the movie review, and we are looking all about Rocket Man. Yeah, we just uh, we just talked about the musician, the man. So now let's talk about the movie. And uh, yes, Ricky and Bambi are no longer here on the station, but our movie crew is here. Uh, we've got with us Ashley Pauls. Hello. Um... Sorry, I didn't mean to say that as a question. Do you want to redo? Do you want to redo that? Oh, okay. Ashley Pauls. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I think I beamed up to the station correctly. Like, I, I think it's still me. He's, 
<laughs> is it is it half of her or no? It's, it's my no evil clone that. is going to be doing the review tonight. That would explain the goatee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you just heard Alex Autry, of course. Howdy. And uh, Michelle is still here, so uh, let's get to it. We will talk all about uh, the movie. And Alex, I have to ask. I mean, this movie, even though it's been a couple weeks now, very soft opening. I'm very surprised, actually, with with the amount of money and the the hit that Bohemian Rhapsody turned out to be. Uh, this following suit it just really surprises me how how little it's doing. I think it's safe to say that uh, this movie was released in the summer as counter programming. Um, this was supposed to be the alternative for the adults to go see while the kids are hanging out in Godzilla and Aladdin and, and that sort of thing. Uh, it's domestic box office over a two week period is $50 million. It's, and that's, and that's to be, to put it in perspective, that's what, Bohemian Rhapsody got the first weekend. Right. Uh, the uh, international box office for Rocket Man is $51 million. This movie is not tracking well. Not at all. Now, uh, what do you guys think? Do you think it's, it's because of the subject matter? Do you think Elton's not as, as uh, popular with folks as Queen? Do you think it's because it's an R rating? Uh, or is there just too much competition and this movie's being drowned out? Uh, Ashley, what do you think? I think that the R rating could have a slight effect versus like with the, I believe Bohemian Rhapsody was PG-13, so families might go to it versus this one. But we've seen R-rated movies like Logan and Deadpool do really well in this type of time period. So I honestly have to say, I think it's competition. You know, the movies have been coming fast and furious, no pun intended there, um, so far this summer and that's later this yeah summer. right right how we work here on the station <laughs> a little ahead of myself there but um i've i've been going to see a movie just about every weekend and but i know that's something that not everybody is able to do so i think there's just a little too much going out on right now which i think is a shame if they held this movie closer to fall i think that it would have done a lot better but um i guess we can hope at least that some people will maybe pick it up when it comes out on dvd or streaming services but it is a shame to see it not performing so well especially when bohemian rhapsody found so much traction michelle what about you do you have any idea why it might not be as as popular um, I think it's a little of all of the above that you mentioned. Um, I think that some people, unfortunately, uh, when they catch wind that there is, I'll call it semi-graphic uh, gay sex content, um, they'll decide that's not for them. Although there is no nudity in this film, it's actually very tame. Um, it's slightly more graphic than Bohemian Rhapsody, but still very tame. And some people, I mean, word of mouth gets out and it's, it's a musical. It's presented as a musical with musical numbers in the story. And some people just hate that. A uh, guy that I work with who's a big movie fan and a big Elton fan, he saw it the week before I did and he was just like, I don't know. Yeah. I was really surprised at his reaction. We just actually talked to the award-winning Bobby Nash, who's infamous for hating musicals as well. So, um, so yeah, you're right. That might have something to do with it. 
Alex, what do you think? Um, while I agree with with Ashley that there is a lo- that there are there is a lot of competition, and the fact is is that all of these movies are coming at us very Hobbs and Shaw. Um, <laughs> I I that's a deep cut. That's anyway, nice. um, I, I think Bravo, sir. Thank you. Uh, I think in the long run, what you've got is Bohemian Rhapsody played the homosexual storyline safe. And Rocket Man was very upfront and very in your face in a good way. Um, and did not play and I that it's not gonna play well in your family theaters. This movie I've I'll be honest, I've seen the movie twice. Uh, it's the only movie this summer I have seen twice. Wow. And of that, I can honestly say that either myself or the person that I went with, uh, one uh, friend of the station, Lacey, and two, my wife, probably the youngest ones in the theater. And wow, that really? Is, that is not the demographic that the box office goes after. Not in the summer. No. You're right. No, not at um, all. And and yeah, you're right. And I think, you know, now that I think about it, I think Michelle and I were, you know, probably, I mean, we weren't the youngest, but there was not that many young people when we saw it either. Right. Um, Elton's music is is timeless, but a lot of the people only see him, his music now, as ending at Lion King. Like, there's nothing after Lion King. This movie stops at I'm Still Standing. Which is, yeah, these, which is 1983. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it is interesting that this is there. There are two movies coming out within like a month of each other where, you know, Elton John's getting paid for music. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Freddie, Freddie Mercury always constantly remains a musical icon. Elton John is in a wheelhouse for a lot of people and not for others. Do you know, I actually heard someone at work say that one of the reasons why they were kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, it's cool, but I don't know why. I don't I don't understand why they're making this movie. It's not like he's he's dead. No, but they don't need to. And that's <laughs> like, that's the one that that's it? the thing with this movie is. <laughs> and I was talking to some friends about it is basically this, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody was a pure biop movie. Yeah. You know, it was and everything. This was more of a jukebox musical. And jukebox musicals don't do that well over the summer. It's just a fact. And I walked out of that movie and I was like, we've got to go see this again. And mm-hmm. we went to see it the next day. And I'm planning on probably seeing it again next weekend. That's how much I enjoyed it. Um, well, let's get right into the movie then and, and what we thought. I think we have a lot of people are probably, our listeners are probably already kind of keen to know what we thought, but Ashley, what, uh, what did you think overall of it? Yeah. So the interesting thing about this movie is that, well, I'd say would, I would have, um, kind of what I would label a casual familiarity with Elton John's music. Um, 
I haven't listened to his entire catalog, but I do enjoy his music. And every time I'm scanning through the radio, if one of his songs comes on more often than not, I'll stop and listen to it and be like, oh, I really like that music. And I didn't know a lot about his life story either. What really sold me was the preview, actually. I saw it several times before going to see other movies. I thought, this just looks really fun and unique. So that's actually what motivated me to go see the movie. And I actually really liked that it was a musical. I know that choice may or may not work for some viewers, and that's totally cool. But I really liked that they decided to do it as a musical instead of a standard biographical movie. Because I think that really works with Elton John's personality and his stage persona and who he is. So I thought that it really fit Um that the characters would just break into song. And I'm actually curious to see if this movie would someday maybe even make its way to Broadway. Cause I could see it doing really well as a stage show too. So, um, the, mm-hmm. the music, exactly. yeah, I, w- I would really like to see a live version of this. So that could maybe be an opportunity too. maybe it doesn't do as well in theaters, but it could find new life in another format. So I hope that- this actually reminds me and I'm, of what you know you were just saying about a broadway play because i remember they put out the summer ver a couple summers ago it was the movie version of uh what was it jersey boys yes same thing yeah and so it was almost the same thing but going the opposite direction going from the movie to the stage and i think yeah i would this this is a good fit for it i would love to see that so anybody out there who's listening that has any power in broadway we would like to see the stage <laughs> version of this music of yes. this movie yes and give us credit please yes yeah just just no, a especially... little little tiny print in the program i'll be good maybe a free ticket that's all all i'm asking <laughs> idea by ashley paul <laughs> there you go um, Michelle, what about you? What was your, I, cause I know your probably, your expectations were pretty big for this. I mean, um, I don't know if Elton's, yeah, he might be on the level of like, as Freddie for you, cause you, you, there's albums of his that are your top albums of all time, oh, right? Yes. Oh, yes. I mean, we just talked about it. So I know that you're, you know, more than anybody else here, I think that you're like a big, the biggest Elton John fan. So I'm the oldest one on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I like musicals. I've loved Elton for years. I too, um, the trailers for this just stopped me in my tracks. I was like, I am seeing this. And this movie for me lived up to those trailers and beyond. I Magical is kind of a market, movie marketing word, but for me, it really was magical. Uh, I would call it a better film than Bohemian Rhapsody. Agreed. I, yeah. Um, I am really sorry that Taryn Edgerton's performance is probably not going to get the um, accolades it really deserves because it is a brilliant performance. Yeah, especially when you, I mean, not only does he capture the look and sort of style of Elton, but I mean, the man sings Mm -hmm. um, and like he sings really well, like Mm -hmm. very much like, I mean, I know he's got help vocally uh, from coaches and from electronics and whatnot, but still, uh, I mean, there were a lot of times where I was like, I don't, I don't, I think that's Elton John. No, it's not. Oh, okay. No, Elton didn't sing once other in this movie. Yeah. Other, I think he's only on the, the uh, end. yeah, I was going to say he's in the credit, like that new, yeah. there's a new song that, that, that shows up at the, at the credits, I think. So yeah, that's, um, that I was just going to say, that's another reason why I'm kind of sad they didn't save it for October, November. Cause I can't really see it 
maintaining or picking up Oscar buzz at that time, just because it's come out in the summertime. So it's, it's a shame that, like you said, he may not get recognition just because it's not close to that kind of narrow Oscar window. And unfortunately, I mean, as good as Taron is, and we could argue that he's better in some ways because he, he, he can sing. um, uh, There's no way that the Academy would vote for another like actor playing a musician yeah. like two years oh, that's ago. true they just wouldn't do it they just wouldn't do it like yeah. so he would be doomed from the beginning anyway so uh alex what about you what did you think um i first of all i i love the whole the whole thing there's a uh just to show my age the overall film feels like the last sequence of the movie all that jazz uh, which is this incredible over-the-top kind of fantasy moment where the director of the movie actually has, on film, his own funeral. Um, it's very, very strange, but it's a movie about Bob Fosse, and it was directed by Bob Fosse. So, <laughs> um, uh, uh, Mr. Egerton is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, simply perfect and considering that this is not the first time that Mr. Egerton has performed an Elton John song specifically I'm still standing (laughs) in a movie uh, kind of shows that he definitely has the chops I think (laughs) wow yeah there's something multi-layered deep cuts and puns thank you um and then, and then I'll do something stupid, like say Joss Whedon did uh, Felicity. Anyway, um, <laughs> two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Um, <laughs> the thing is, though, is, is that I there's no reason why he won't get a nomination for this because I think his performance is that good. And by releasing it during the summer it will be in the hands of everybody in the Academy when it is on video and DVD and Blu-ray and digital download by November. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. And yeah. and it, it's up to the studio. If they push it, yeah. mm-hmm. if they're behind it, you know, then I think he's got a chance. And, um, and with a $50 million gross, there's a real chance of calling this an <laughs> indie surprise, despite the fact that it's actually a big budget film. Um, but the, there are times when, when these small movies that, that nobody actively goes to see winds up breaking in all the awards. So it's, it's possible that we'll see something big come out of this. Simply costume design. Yes. Uh, oh God. Yes. On, on multiple levels, because you not only have his crazy costumes, which are almost spot on, from his his uh, and in fact, in one of the uh, <laughs> I love that fact that during the credits they show you pictures just to be like, okay, we didn't really make this up. This is what he actually wore. Yes. And mm-hmm. how freaking weird was it that that little boy who plays him looked exactly like him? <laughs> oh, yes, they were both both the younger actors were. Mm-hmm. Yeah the uh, the the ten year old version of of Elton has an absolute future ahead of him. And I hope he continues acting, and I hope that he gets really, really good roles because he's quite talented. Um, but I think uh, overall, I like watching this film 
and thinking about it from the perspective that this is how Elton John would tell his story, the music makes so much sense. The story makes so much sense because Elton absolutely sees himself in this movie as the victim consistently. Oh, of course. And his music targets those people who are looking for something. That performance of I Need Love or I Want Love, the one where it's the family all singing at the beginning of the movie. That was heartbreaking. So powerful. Yes. Such an amazing sequence. Um, and, And it's all rolling off because as each one of them singing, the song is the same, but every last one of them have a different meaning. And I just thought that was amazing. I, I think but they're all suffering from the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. In, in really different ways. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah absolutely. Um, no, good point. Uh, Mike, what about you overall? Oh, overall, I love this movie. It kind of sucked though, going with somebody who is, a total Elton John head and was like, wait a minute, that movie didn't come out till three years later. Or this song was, you know, (laughs) you know, like, wait a minute, you know, Elton didn't go into, you know, the whole thing with going into therapy and going into rehab, but, and it was just, it was fun though, you know, blocking that person out (laughs) and just (laughs) enjoying the movie. And that's, that's what was great about it. I think that the the because it's a fantasy musical, it has a lot more leeway to play around with a lot of that stuff than Bohemian Rhapsody did. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody is is basically saying like this is how things happen, whereas Rocket Man is like, eh, this is kind of just the feeling of stuff. Didn't you like this song? Here's this song. <laughs> um, there's a, there was a moment, and and Lacey, I'm giving Lacey all the credit in the world for pointing this out. Um, cause I was saying that one of the songs I, I really enjoyed and, and she goes, was it that moment where the piano spins around and we get to see nothing but iconic costumes because they had to find a way to put those in. Exactly. That was just awesome. Yeah. And especially to doing, you know, when they did, you know, pinball wizard to it, it was just, it was awesome. And I remember seeing, you know, video of that Dodger stadium concert that he did. Yeah. And that was a true event that he did try to commit suicide. And three days later he was up on at Dodger stadium. Wow. And, you know, literally that was the closest to reality right there. You know, just how much he was working and everything. I think this is a good example of a movie that's not necessarily 100% spot on historically accurate, but it felt authentic, if that makes sense. Like, even if some of the historical details were changed, it felt authentic to his experience. And you could feel his struggle and feel his pain in the music really helped sell that, even if, of course, it didn't happen exactly as the movie presented it to us. Well, exactly. And that was the one of the great things about it. And to tag along with what Ashley said about the Broadway play stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought the whole Saturday night's okay for fighting. Yeah. You know, that whole scene going from the little kid up and then he's, you know, when he's a teenager, like an older teenager and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just awesome. That was just 
a great scene. The editing for this film will get a nomination mm-hmm. because they cut scenes in the middle of songs in which they progressively age people is so amazingly difficult to do. And and they pull it off really well. And the fact is, is that the pinball wizard, which is the spinning piano sequence, um, showcases that so well. Um, one of the things that I, I've got to talk about because I loved the way that it started was the muted tones as we originally go into his story. Young Elton and and him in that phenomenal, phenomenal devil outfit. Uh, or fallen angel, I guess is what it would be. Um, walking through his hometown in flashback form, all of the colors are muted except Elton and young Elton or Reggie, I guess would be the better term. Reggie. Reggie. Um, so Reggie and, and Elton are, and it's for the, the bitches back as the song that's playing. Um, but if you look at all of the tones, like even the brightest blue is more gray. And it's just, it, it's really wild to, to just kind of sit there and watch that and, and just be blown away by the camera work and the editing of this film. It's a gorgeous film. Yeah. Well, if you notice with that, everything was muted until he became Elton John. Yeah. Yeah. And everything. And when he was Reggie, it was all muted. Absolutely. Um, I, look, I'm I'm with y'all. This was uh, a great movie in some way. I mean, obviously, it's going to be compared to Bohemian Rhapsody just because yeah. of the, the the release dates is so close. Um, you know, British gay pop stars, rock stars. You know, I mean, like it's 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 like there's a lot of things to compare here. The same director, you know, like yeah. Both these, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, but this one is yes. Yeah, so it's it's more uh, yeah. The fantastical elements, I think, definitely fit uh the man uh the musician the uh the legend so to so to speak um the songs are great uh the performance by Taryn is is just top notch uh best i've seen all year um the movie may not uh do be doing well at the box office and who knows what it's going to get as far as oscars and whatnot but you know it's guaranteed to get one award and that is it's going it ha- it has to be a Guinness world record for the most uh, pairs of sunglasses shown in, in a movie. Like, <laughs> like, like by, by one person or by multiple people, because, because there are so many, like every single scene he's wearing, he's wearing a different pair of glasses, every single scene. It's just like, wow, that's impressive. I mean, and just like the man, like really, uh, I mean, that's the one thing that he was known for. Um, so I, I definitely, uh, yeah, it just captured him. And I, I think in some ways, maybe it's a little bit uh, like personally, um, I'm more of a Queen fan than I am an Elton John fan. I, I own many Queen albums. I don't own any Elton John albums. Uh, so, but I, I like the music. I will say that since I saw the movie on Saturday, and since then, I have had multiple earworms in my head, <laughs> all different Elton John songs, like just pop up out of nowhere. In fact, uh, today, I think, was the first day, uh, and this was actually just a little while ago, I actually had a song in my head that wasn't an Elton John song. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that took a while. I feel you on that because I went and saw this movie last Saturday, more than a week ago, and I have had Tiny Dancer in my head on a constant <laughs> loop. So I love the song, but <laughs> I would really like to get some freedom from it, at least a little variety. So, <laughs> Oh, 
I know it's funny because for years, whenever you thought of Tiny Dancer, I always thought of Almost Famous, mm-hmm. the bus scene, which is really famous. And now from I'm going to think about him on at the cabin. It was yeah, pretty awesome. That's that's a heart wrenching scene too, because it it shows like his loneliness and his wanting to be with someone, anyone. to be lo- to be loved, to be loved. And yeah, that was mm, mm-hmm. such a good scene. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah. So, okay. how interesting is it? Uh, I want to talk about some of the other performances. How interesting is it that? Uh, I mean, Taryn, we've already expressed our love for and admiration for. Uh, the rest of the cast, I think, is amazing as well. I did find it interesting that, okay, so John Reed is in this movie, is portrayed in this movie, as well as Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, two different actors, yet both of them are from Game of Thrones. <laughs> I know. It was Rob Stark. It was awesome. <laughs> it's, it's, the, uh, it's the Quicksilver uh, uh, kick-ass conundrum. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> It was Rob Stark in this movie, and it was uh, Littlefinger in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, I think he got like, I mean, in 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 either movie, he's not portrayed very well. Uh, although I think I don't know, Michelle, you tell me. It was I think in Bohemian Rhapsody, he's a little bit better than portrayed than in this movie. Uh, I would say in Bohemian Rhapsody, he's neutral to good. He's just kind of the band's advocate. There was a really funny moment in the theater uh, when sitting next to Michelle when when uh, when Elton says stop the car when he's in there with John Reed. It was like, oh, we've seen this scene before. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Only it wasn't uh, it was the, the other way around. Elton got out instead of uh, instead of yeah. John. So uh, but I thought that was interesting. I don't know. Is John Reed still alive? He must yes. be like yes. he must really hate these movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the way to the bank. I would love to know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't get any money for this, does he? If oh, they're using him as a character, yeah, exactly. If they're using his likeness or if they're using his character, very much so, hmm. because he could sue them big time for you know. And the truthfully, you know, alive, dead, doesn't matter to him. He'll still make his twenty percent. Yeah. Uh, also, um, have to mention uh, that. Um, uh, Bryce Howard? Yes, Dallas Bryce Howard. Yes. Uh, that uh, <laughs> I had completely forgotten that she was uh, Ron Howard's kid. Yeah, they and they hid her very, very well. Because uh, you <laughs> yes, watch they did. And you don't see her. She really, really got into that very, very large wig. Um, yeah. I, I can't. I, I thought it was funny though. I, I was joking around. I was saying that uh, I wonder if on set she was taking pictures of herself and saying, "Hey, Dad, I'm dressing like you were on Happy Days." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Ashley. Happy Days was a I'll sitcom. Say- <laughs> in the- <laughs> I, I did get that reference. I did get that reference. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I read an article where she said that when she got the part and she looked at the script, she was at first kind of horrified that she was vilifying uh his mom and she was like i i can't believe that this is like they would do this they would want to do this and i'm not sure i want to do this and she said i better do some research so she looked online she talked to a couple people who knew elton john etc etc and was horrified to find out that his mother in real life was actually much worse yeah oh yes um yeah we talked about that a little bit earlier in the show and the relationship he had with his parents and 
it's it's a wonder this guy can talk and walk after what his parents did to him uh i know we talked about this a little bit too in the in the in the musician part of it earlier in the show but uh i thought the the movie really um impressed me with uh because i didn't know much about elton john's youth or his upbringing at all and i and i and i knew he was a musician i didn't know he was a musical prodigy uh, I didn't know that if he heard something once, he could just play it. Um, but apparently he was, he's, he has that skill. Well, I think we all do deep down. <laughs> some show it better than others. Yeah, though. No, no they, some it's really deep. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. His, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that he, he did get scholarship, he did, you know, all of that. Um, but again, it was. Thank goodness for his grandmother. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a bit of a wasted talent there, but it kind of because it kind of shows that because he had all that talent, and while you know, fortunately for us, he used it for the powers of rock and roll. He could have been an amazing concert pianist. Oh yeah, he could have done anything really in music that he wanted yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, I mean, we already kind of mentioned that. Uh, I mean, he's responsible for all the, you know, the hit songs on, you know, uh, Lion King. Yeah. Well, um, that's completely different than, you know, what he was working with. Um, now, mentioning the cast and the characters, I think uh, ultimately this is a love story, romance between. Bromance. Elf- bromance. It's a bromance. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I thought that was, I don't know much about their real relationship. Uh, I know it's had some ups and downs and they've gotten together, like they, they've written together and then they have it and they, you know, I think they're, they're okay now. Uh, but apparently they've never had an argument. Although in the movie, it seems like they have a couple. No, um, there's never really an argument. It's, it's one person screaming at the other one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a diva having a meltdown. Come on. It's one person screaming and the other person walking away. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Jamie Bell as Bernie Toppin. Yep. I thought he was fabulous. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I really loved seeing the depth of their friendship and I would have loved to see even more of the movie of just their creative process working together and just like how well the lyrics and the tones and the music speak so well together and just convey an emotion. Like definitely magic happens when these two are working together. Yeah. Well, exactly. And he basically was writing poetry and he sent it into the record label and Elton was there it was just it was like serendipity. Oh yeah, they just combined together. Perfect yeah. pairing. Because you would not be able to get anybody to make the music that Elton did, and I don't think you'd been able to get the songs without without Bernie. And that's obvious. And they even discussed that in the film. Uh, what's funny is is that uh, Jamie Bell uh, was in uh, starred in Billy Elliot, which Elton John actually helped get the stage production going for. But Billy Elliot was written by Rocketman screenwriter Lee Hall. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so it's more, I'm going to write this, you're going to play it, kind of. <laughs> so, uh, now, Jamie Bell, um, I, I agree. I think there could have been a lot more done with, uh, with, with Jamie because I don't feel like he was given a whole lot of time to shine. 
but there's a moment in the beginning where we're starting to see the uh, we get the the we get the first of many montages about Elton's success. Elton actually sits there and says, "There's no way this is going to be able to last." And yeah, they both do. They're yeah. both like, "Yeah, let's just do it. get be happy now." Because right, and Jamie uh, or, or uh, uh, Bernie says, "Then let's enjoy it now." Yep, and that's how he plays it for the rest of the film. So, yeah, I, in a way, it felt more. I don't know want to say realistic because this movie is is not concerned with that so much. But I mean, you know, the, when their relationship, it was you know, I mean, Bernie was the guy that was behind the scenes, and Elton was the front man. Um, and speaking of that, the I, I'm kind of torn because I was the more I think about it, the it doesn't make a, a it doesn't make a definitive statement on this. But I kind of felt like the costumes that Elton was wearing, being a frontman, were more out of um, were done more out of anger and lack of self confidence than they were about having fun, and that took a little bit of fun out of the costumes. From yeah, um, they were uh, he he craved attention. He wanted it from his father. He clearly craved that attention. He was told to, you know, go out and, and get some clothes. And he went out and found the craziest thing that he could find. And I, I think they, they show that very well in this film. Yeah, because he's not just going out there and, and dressing like, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not uh, you know, gender bending um, uh, as a general rule. Yeah. He's just going out there. Like you said, he's finding the most outrageous thing. Um, whether it's a chicken outfit or dressing up like a, like a queen Victoria or whatever, or dressing up like, you know, a sparkly ball player. Like he's like, like how far can I take this rather than it? I mean, it's more than just like, I'm the center of attention. It's like, no, no, like this is, I'm just going to go way over as over the top as I can. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it was interesting to see, you know, the evolution of it. And you saw that, especially in the pinball wizard montage. Mm -hmm. right and you know you saw him going from the longer hair and oh my god they got his hairline really good (laughs) (laughs) they actually have him with more hair in the don't go breaking my heart scene that he actually had in real life (laughs) just a little bit of embellishment there Uh, oh i love the girl they had playing kiki d it was awesome yeah she was that was a great scene well, um, I think we're we're sort of getting to the end. Before we we, we rate it, um, is there anything you know, real quick, that you didn't like about the movie, uh, Ashley? Um, nothing immediately comes to mind. There were a few moments where I thought maybe they pushed the fantasy element just a little too far. That were just a little bit much for me. But those are like really small quibbles. So not even anything I think even worth mentioning. Overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Michelle, was there anything that as an Elton John fan that you felt that was missing? As as a fan of his career, I kind of wish they had uh, given some credit to his band that he had for so long and his producer, but I understand why they couldn't and didn't. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Alex? Um, I can't think of anything, uh, especially after seeing it twice, uh, in the same day. Um, 
I, I can't think of anything right off the top of my head. The fantasy aspect is a little overbearing, but I understand why it's there. So I kind of like that. I, I thought it was actually worth it in the long run. Um, I honestly enjoy this film. I think it's going to do, I hope that it does very well in the secondary market because it deserves it. Yeah. Mike, what about you? I'm going to follow what Alex said, because truthfully, this movie is too good to fail. I hope that, you know, word of mouth would have gotten out there because most everyone who has seen it has enjoyed it. They, some people might have not loved it as much as others, but it was fun. It was enjoyable. And I'm hoping, you know, when home video comes out or downloading, whatever you want to call it, I'm hoping that more and more people will see it and even more buzz will build for this because the acting was great. The story was fun. The fantasy was a little bit too much, but, you know, I want to see how long it took him to do that swimming pool scene. That's all I wanted to know. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that was awesome. The, <laughs> the, the kid sequence, at the bottom. Yeah, that was cool. I, 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 I know we're trying to wrap up. But can we talk about the brilliance of the weightlessness in the Troubadour scene? Oh, oh that, that was, was nice. Awesome. Yeah, that was nice. Oh, yeah, yes. that, that capture, that, that jump that everybody, yeah. like, uh, it, that, that lasts for, like, five minutes or whatever it is. It's just. It feels it was, like it lasts forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was brilliantly done. I, it was I, awesome. I, I'd never seen it like that element. And it seemed so like he tapped into something that I'm like, wow, that feels so real that I've never seen um, expressed that way before. But you felt it at a concert before. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like where everybody's just rising up because it's it's you're in that moment. It's just, yeah, that was pretty amazing. So... Well, cool. Okay, we'll go down it and rate it. Uh, Ashley, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to give it uh, four and a half stars. I really enjoyed it. It's a really fun, colorful film. There's more tragedy to it than I was expecting, but I think it's an authentic story. Love the music. And um, like I said, solid four and a half stars. I'm saving that other half star until they make it into a Broadway musical. I really want it to be a Broadway musical. So that's that's what I'm going to give it. Okay. Michelle? Uh, scale of five. Scale of five. Five. Okay. All right. Uh, any last words about it? Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She's like, she just dropped the mic. Boom. Five. Oh, done. Five. Done. All right. uh, it's just, I'm on the floor. It's just a beautiful statement. It's a, a quality film. Awesome. Alex? It's strange to say that a musical, a, a fantasy musical biopic is one of the most real things that I've gotten to see over the last few years. Um, I'm putting it at four and a half gold albums and I'm going to reserve my other half for the off Broadway production of this (laughs) using puppets. There you go. (laughs) Done by the people who do Avenue. There you go. Simply because I just want to see a puppet with a giant headdress. That's really all I'm after at this point. (laughs) Well, we did. Uh, he was on the Muppet Show. Yes, he they was. Crack of the Rock. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very, very famous number that uh, they did. Yeah. Um, Mike, what about you? I'm going to give it a five. It probably is one of the most enjoyable, satisfying movies I've seen in quite a long time. 
and I'm going to go out and say it. I enjoyed it more than Bohemian Rhapsody. So I, I did, and I'm looking forward to owning it. So it should be cool. (laughs) Going to own it. Um, I would own it, brother. I, there's no way I can give this any less than a four and a half. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm still processing it. And, and I, I guess maybe it's just because um, maybe with Elton, I just don't have a strong personal connection to give it a five, but not certainly because of anything that the filmmakers or the performers did. Uh, it's an excellent top-notch movie that does need to get more attention. I agree with all of that. And uh, you know, it's, it's amazing when the, when the Titans go on a rampage, no, I'm sorry, that's the wrong. Uh, <laughs> but wait, is this, wait, this is the same movie, right? The Titan goes on a rampage. Um, no, uh, they, no, um, dude, the bitch is back. Come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and I'm still going to have the songs in my head. That's the only thing I would caution people. Like, be warned, this will, you will start singing various, not just one, not just two, various Elton John songs will pop in your head now. 22 um, of them. Maybe, maybe the rest of your life. <laughs> They'll never go away. So it does, it does need to come with a, a, a warning now, maybe. So. Well, all right, very cool. Well, we're done with the movie and the man. So uh, we will be right back to close it out uh, after the ESO Network Con. It's going to be a long, long time. Touchdown brings me round again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home Welcome to a Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week this Geek Girl is talking about the Netflix movie, Patrick. So Patrick is an odd movie for me to talk about. If you know me, then a movie about pugs is pretty obvious why I would love it, since I own two pugs. But it has really nothing to do with fandom except for two reasons. When I sat down to watch this movie, I had no idea that Peter Davison and Bernard Cribbins were Two of the actors from Doctor Who were also in this movie, but I kind of should have figured in a British comedy, I would see some Doctor Who actors. Patrick is the story of Sarah, who inherits a cute little pug named Patrick from her grandmother. Sarah hates dogs. However, over the course of this movie, she has to overcome obstacles that help her come closer to Patrick and love him as part of her family. This movie is incredibly funny has an extremely well-trained pug. Holy cow, I wish my pugs were this well-trained. And has some great acting in it. The story is fun and is one you could watch by yourself or with your family, since it's a British comedy for all ages. And did I mention there was an adorable, cute pug in it? Yeah, that basically sold this movie for me without needing to know anything else about it. And I was pleasantly surprised when I watched it because... It was really fun and very heartwarming. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. And I think it's going to be a long, long time. Touchdown brings me round again to find. I'm not the man that think I am at home. Burning out of 
for the week of June 14th, 2019. It's the ESO Network Con Report. Well, you can find uh, ESO Network folks uh, starting this weekend, uh, June 14th through the 16th at Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, in fact, I will be there. Um, I don't have a table, so I won't be set up. But this is the first time I'm returning to Heroes to attend or just, uh, yeah, to see it, to check out the show in five years. I can't believe it's been five years. Uh, this show is one that I love and I used to go to every year. Uh, but things happened and I just couldn't get around to, to going there. It was, it was, there was conflict between other shows that we were doing, et cetera, et cetera. So um, yeah, I had to miss out. So uh, this year I'm back. Uh, so you'll and- go, you'll go in there and go, finally, Mike <laughs> Gordon has returned to Heroes Con. No, I'm just going to say howdy. Oh, uh, I, think, I like I the think, other way better. I think that's what people expect. Uh, if I came out and I didn't say howdy, they'd be like, who are you? Um, so I, I, um, I'm very, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very excited. There's a lot of talented artists and writers and comic folks at Heroes and I'll be doing some recording. So, uh, as a matter of fact, you'll be able to hear some segments that I'm doing, uh, for in the next episode. So, uh, if you can't make it for whatever reason, uh, just tune in next week and we'll, uh, play some of that stuff for you. Uh, we'll bring a little bit of Heroes Con to you. So very excited. Um, and speaking of Comic-Cons, there's actually two that are happening in a, the Atlanta area that uh, Mike and I are going to be part of in, in different ways. Uh, July 12th through the 14th is the Atlanta Comic-Con. That is the big three-day show that's at the Georgia World Congress Center. Uh, Mike and I will be doing panels on Saturday. Yes. Are we ready to announce what those are, or is it still kind of hush-hush? We can finally announce Finally, finally, Atlanta Comic Con, Saturday at 11 a.m. So you want to start a podcast featuring Mike Faber, Mike Gordon, and Mike Faulkner, a panel of Mike's talking about podcasting. I think that'll actually be pretty cool. Yeah, that'll be great. Uh, You know, our last... Last year when we did the podcasting panel, man, that was that got to that got real. I mean, it was really intense and really fun, um, and uh, made a difference to some people, and that was uh, pretty cool. So that's I'm looking forward to experiencing that again. Exactly, and they we got a great audience, and we'll record it again for our Patreon. So you know, it should be a lot of fun. Then we're at one thirty p.m. through two thirty p.m., the MCU. What now? Now that, you know, we have Endgame behind us and Spider-Man, actually, by the time we go to this con, will be behind us also. What's next? What kind of films? What can we expect from the Marvel comic universe? Will we see some X films? Will we see some Fantastic Four? Will we see Deadpool show up? That's the question we're going to ask. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. And there's a lot of great guests uh, that are appearing at the this show. So um, I'm, I'm planning to have a lot of fun at this show, hanging around uh, mainly on Saturday. Not sure if I'm going to go the other days or not, but we'll be definitely there on Saturday. So so come by and see us on the panels and say howdy. Uh, and then the, the couple weeks after that, July 28th, is the one-day comic show 
called the Atlanta Comic Convention, the original ACC, if you will. Um, and uh, it's a great show. It's a much smaller show, but don't don't take anything away from that because it's got a lot of energy, a lot of great deals there, a lot of great talent. Uh, there's a lot of great artists and young uh, ind- independent folks that are at this show. That and a lot of cosplay. It's been getting a lot of great costumes over the last uh, year or so. So, uh, and Mike and I will be there. We won't have a table. We'll be doing panels, but we'll be there uh, shopping around, hanging out, talking to folks. So, uh, if you're planning to go to that show or any show uh, that we just mentioned, please uh, reach out to us uh, and let us know you're going to be there. We can hook up, say howdy, uh, share stories, that kind of thing. And certainly, if there's a show that uh, you that we didn't mention that you want us to mention on the show or talk about, promote, participate in, what have you, reach out to us because we love, love, love talking about convention. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for being here and talking a lot of Elton John. Ricky and Bambi are already probably tucked into bed already. So thank you for joining us earlier. But of course, let's thank our other guests for being here. Michelle, thank you so, so much for being us with us the whole episode. Thanks for having me. I think it's the first time she's been here with a whole episode, isn't it? Yes. Um, no, yeah, pretty much. I think so. So you, you survived all the segments. Wow. <laughs> all right. Got to give her a badge for that now. <laughs> You're now off probation status. You're a full, full-time member now. Oh, wow. What an honor. Oh, of course. You know, anything you want to shout out about? Um, nope. <laughs> nope. And have you posted your blog lately? Uh, well, not since my last Rock and Roll Hall of Fame post, but the, the blog is uh, iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. Yeah, because you weren't able to talk this week like about Dr. John's passing and a few others. Yep, we'll, we'll hit that next week. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And <laughs> Ashley... death count. <laughs> we should just change it to Michelle's musical death count. <laughs> oh, <laughs> classic rock death tally. Oh, <laughs> This week makes two. (laughs) Okay. All right. We're getting out of hand here. All right, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Always love chatting movies with you guys. Always great. Anything you want to shout out about? Yes. I realized I had forgotten to do this last week. I want to give a shout out to the Earth Station DCU crew. They let me come on to talk about the season finale of Arrow. Always enjoy chatting about Arrow with them. So be sure to check out their feed. Um, They have lots of great content. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. And what did you think? How did Arrow fare this season? Because it's now that they've announced it's wrapping up. I think I liked the first half more than the second half. I really liked the Oliver in prison storyline. I think they did a lot of interesting things with that. Um, The latter half of the season had some up and downs. But um, overall, I'm looking forward to the next season. And even though it's always sad to see a TV show end, I think it's it's probably time to wrap things up. So... I'm glad that they're going to be closing that out and hopefully it'll be a satisfying ending. I just have to wait and see. That would be awesome. You know, see what happens, how they wrap up the show with the crisis on infinite earths. Yes. Hopefully if he's got to go out, it'll be in an epic way. So I'm looking forward to that. Of course. And of course, Alex, thank you, my friend. Oh, glad to be here. 
Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I want to give an interesting shout out tonight, um, as opposed to what I normally do. And well, you always shout out to Ashley. So, I, yeah. I, like I said, and no, um, oh, man. <laughs> this past Friday, I had the pleasure of going to Southern Honor Wrestling in Canton, Georgia. And let's face it. We're in the South. It is not what you would consider uh, an overly open area. Um, and I got to see two wrestlers compete against each other, Ashton Starr and Effie. Both of these men are open homosexuals. They put on a match against each other that brought the house down. They were phenomenal. They were fabulous. And 400-plus fans in attendance after seeing them perform sang happy birthday to Effie because it was his birthday. Oh, wow. That is awesome. Yeah, it is an amazing experience. I am hoping that someone's got this on video. And if there is video, I will post it on, um, on ESO. There's a great moment when all the stereotypes and all the things that you think could happen uh, at a place are completely shattered. And so I just want to applaud both Ashton and Effie and send a shout out to the great folks at Southern Honor Wrestling for putting on an amazing show. And especially in Canton, Georgia, putting on a match like that. That is awesome. Fantastic, sir. No, sometimes the smaller you know organizations put on a lot more show because these guys are hungry. These guys have the heart, and you know you well, get to see some amazing stuff. And the 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 Canton uh, they do a show every the first Friday of every month, and they literally Ashton Star is a phenomenon in that building. The fans adore him, and. It, they could have gone for the cheap heat. They could have done that, and they didn't. They they allowed his talent to show through, and it does. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. Well, very cool. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, sir. We did. This was this fun. This was a fun. It was Absolutely. fun. Absolutely, yeah. Talking about Elton John a lot. So, um, And as always, it's my pleasure. Yep, of course. It's always great to talk to you. What do you have to shout out about, buddy? I'm going to give a shout out to two very good friends of the station, two very dear friends that uh, uh, got uh, got officially hitched this weekend. And that is uh, Ryan Cadaver and Nicole, uh, otherwise known as Battle Cougar. Uh, they, uh, they actually made it official this weekend and uh, are Mr. and Mrs. Cadaver, or I think the hashtag is Cadaver Forever. Or Cadaver, I think it's something like that. Anyway, um, uh, I'm so happy for them. Uh, they are they are like a for the longest time since I've known them. I think they've been together. Uh, they just fit well together. They're they're like a real life uh, Gomez and Morticia. Uh, they are uh, pretty, although they 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 rock a lot harder uh, than uh, than the Adams family folks do. But um, they're just uh, great folks, and I wish them all the happiness in the world. Here, 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 here. All right. Uh, my shout out real quick is to Amazon. I was thrilled and really excited that they were doing a version of Good Omens. And then I was a little worried about 
that they were doing a version of Good Omens after watching American Gods and this last two seasons. And then I watched the for American Sade, uh, of course, Good Omens, and basically was thrilled and loved it. I just want to tell people to watch it. It is amazing if you have Amazon Prime. It is truly an amazing show. And it's not that long. It's just a couple episodes and it's a one and done. They're not planning a second season. They're not planning on extending it. And it's just, it was awesome. And it's humorous. It's fun. And it's fantasy. And it's Neil Gaiman. It's pretty darn awesome. This is what I was hoping American Gods was going to be. But we're going to be talking about all about this Good Omens in a few weeks. We're going to be doing an episode about it, so I'm not going to spoil anything now. But just go see it. <laughs> go watch it. It's worth it. Truly, truly worth it. All right. That's going to wrap up this episode. Want to give a quick shout out to everyone who's supporting us. Always a reminder, please, please, please subscribe to our show on whatever media player that you listen to. We're up on most of them or wherever fine podcasts are found. So please give us a listen. And we will be back again next week when we are going to do an artist spotlight on Carl Barks. That's right, folks. We are going to be talking all about Carl Barks and his work on a lot of his Uncle Scrooge stuff. It's going to be pretty awesome. So until then, my name is Mike Faber. We will see you here next time on the Air Station One podcast. Peace. And we're done. Boom. I swear to you, I heard you say Carl Marks. And I was like, what? <laughs> you've been listening to the air station one podcast a show by fans for fans if you enjoyed the show please subscribe to our show up on itunes or wherever fine podcasts are found while you're up there please rate us and remember to leave feedback it would greatly be appreciated and remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it our station one is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.